I was basically just quick, no left foot, no heading, just one of the fastest people in Birmingham. I remember coming back from Sheffield Wednesday on loan and um, I hadn't scored on loan for what but Sheffield Wednesday. About thinking I hate football. Luckily it was me, it was the next best thing that was available. So if it was out of choice, I would still be in the reserves. You could go out on a Saturday, be hungover on a Sunday, train on a Monday as a 19, 20-year-old and you feel normal. Everyone knew around Birmingham I was a party boy. I know you, they can't do it now to the youth team players, but it made me who I was. You're not just coming to play football, you're coming to work. You get to play football as enjoyment afterwards. No, Neil was addicted to me. You know, it was like, wow, you're quick, you're in. People will say you lost pace, but I was still quicker than everyone else. So maybe I lost a yard from bulking up a bit, but I managed to probably stay at Villa for longer by bulking up. We wouldn't always choose the worst player. We choose the player who's going to bite the most. Let's go Nigeria Coca. He's going to bite his. He'd be like, no, you joking me. I was never the worst player. A lot of people don't really know the truth around the time where I did put weight on. Well, I would want to put on another shirt. Di Matteo, they're trying to force me out to Reading and Rangers. Had no chance. I'll be here longer than you, Di Matteo. I'm not going nowhere. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Great job, Gabby, on the Claret and Blue podcast today. Gabby, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Um, can't complain. How about you? you yeah, okay? well, not too bad. I'm uh, all right. We'll start from the very beginning, mate. Um, back in Erdington, what was your life as a kid growing up at school? What are your earliest memories? At school, I was well behaved, out of fear. From my dad, to be honest, um, because he was so strict, you had to behave at school, you had to do your work. But then later on in the uh, secondary school, I sort of didn't concentrate on my work. And I got away with it with my dad because I was doing so well in the um, Villa Academy. So I sort of like got away with it then. But um, always behaving, I was always good. That was one thing that we weren't allowed to do, behave bad. Even after school, you know, like there was kids playing on the street outside my house. Playing football, we were never allowed. It had to be in the back garden or the park. We were never allowed to um, go and hang around by the shop where all the lads used to hang around. It was just my, um, my strict Nigerian dad, basically. You know, he didn't want me to be on the street. He wanted me to be um, playing football, watching football. That's it. Couldn't play PlayStation. Couldn't watch anything else. No films. Football education. That's it. He's a clever man as well, wasn't he? He's got a PhD. Yeah, he's got a PhD. Yeah, um, very clever man. You know, so he 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 brought over that mentality of like um, football or education. You know, um, what you do in your young younger years, it's what you you reap when you're older. That was his motto. You know, um, being a kid isn't to enjoy life. It was being a kid is to start your journey as an adult and what you're going to do when you're older obviously you look back now you know and you, and you think you know there was three, there was me and my two brothers in um two bunk beds in one room you know so you, you look back now and, and like you 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 you, you realize i don't know just everyone was in a tight house you know in erdington um stockland green morning till night on the six weeks holidays football you know i mean we're only coming to make our own lunch or um, breakfast and it was just constantly football. One man Wembley, we played um, like non-stop all day, breaking fences, 
So it was just uh, uh, just a case of like keeping yourself busy, you know, as as a kid. And with us, it was never allowed to hang around the street. It was football or um, education. Where was your plan? Perry Common Park or somewhere around there? No, no, no. Always local. Um, so it was always um, Marsh Lane. I don't even know um, a Stockton Green too well. There's a park on Marsh Lane, um, like a little park, you know, and we used to play in there. So it was walking distance from my house. What was your earliest memories of football then, Gabby? What, what club did you play for? Where did your dad take you? From a young age, I started playing for Great Bar Falcons. This must have been from the age of maybe seven, eight. I think around that age, maybe, maybe um, younger. I started playing for Great Bar Falcons and um, carried on playing for them until... Yeah, I reckon it was a good, maybe from like five, six, and I left them when I went to Villa at 13, I think, 12, 13, maybe 14. Well, it was just playing at um, Great Bar Falcons. Um, the pitch was um, King Standing, where we used to play um, the home games. And I also remember like just loving football, you know, even from a young age. My dad said like football was everything to me. Um, at school, I'd be the one that's like um, coming home with the shoes torn, coming home with yellow shirts from sweating all day playing football in the playground. You know, all the kids are doing silly things in the corner of the, of the playground or messing about. I was just always, where's the football at? Do you know, like it was sort of an addiction. And I think that carried on for um, Great Bar Falcons. I mean, um, if you ask anyone who's got records at Great Bar Falcons, I was scoring like ridiculous amount of goals. Because I think at a young age, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, if you're so much quicker than anyone else, you're gonna score goals in um in um you know Sunday league football. Even when I take my son now, some of the players that you see with their speed, it's like the rest of the players at that age are like a million miles away from them. So it was just something that like my speed helped me at a young age to stand out and um, just playing football every day, you know. And then um, by the time I, I got to 12, 13, that was when I got scouted for um, playing for the local district. Uh, into the Salt Lake District. So who's the who's the scout the spotty jam? What was the game? I'm not sure, you know, because um, so so I've never got scouted playing for um Great Bar Falcons, even though I scored ridiculous amount of goals and stood out. I don't know if maybe then the scouts weren't coming to them games, you know. But I got scouted by um because I went to St Edmund Campion School. I, I was one of the better players in my year. I got into the district, so basically it was the best players from each school in that district. You know what I mean? Go to the district, and um. I remember I didn't really want to go and play for them because I was training two day. I was I was training a lot during the week. I was playing on a Sunday, and you know, like sometimes at a young lad, you like you want your Saturday to yourself, sort of thing. You know, after a long week at school. But my dad was like, you know, go 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 to it. It's good. It's the district. And then I played a couple of games. I done well for the district. And um, Aston Villa scout. I don't know his name, but. He scouted me from the district to um to come on trial at Aston Villa. So what are your first memories of the Villa Academy then? Um, when, when did they snap you up and stuff? So I think it was um roughly um around twelve thirteen, and I remember getting the the call saying um you've got a trial at Aston Villa, so get your stuff. You um you go in there to do some training, and then after a week or so, I had a trial game. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was um it was Crew Alexander away. So basically, it was a trial game, but it was a proper game for the youth team. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically, back then, you could have like maybe one or two players on trial. You could come and play for Villa Youth or whatever. And then um, I scored a hat-trick in the game. And then 
straight away on the coach after the game, the academy director was like, um, um, we want to sign you. We're going to offer you um, a contract. But at that, at people didn't know, and Aston Villa didn't know. At that same time, I'd been scouted for Wolves. So I was doing the same at Wolves. So days in the week, I was going to the Wolves training ground, training, playing games for them. So at the end of that, it comes to a stage where I had to choose between basically athletics, Wolves or Villa. Mm. And because I was a Villa fan, you know, and um, with my local team, it was a no-brainer. So I chose Villa. Where did you get your speed from? And what's your athletics background there? Um, I don't know, you know. like my, my dad will say he was quick, but, you know, I don't believe him. But um, I don't know. My brothers were quite quick as well. Both my brothers, Charisma and Michael. So I don't know. It was maybe just my genetics. But my dad said since a kid, you know, like in um, in sports day at schools, in primary schools, I'll be the one that just left all the kids. And I'll stop, look around, see where everyone is, and then run again. You know, it's just something that, like, you're blessed with. Yeah. I reckon if you look back at videos of probably Mbappe when he was six years old, I bet you'd be like, wow, this guy was the quickest in the in the country, you know? And it was something that, like, in the summer holidays, me and my two brothers, we'd, you know, Alexander Stadium? Yeah. We were allowed to go there, so my dad would give us money to um, get the bus and then pay for um, Alexander Stadium. But as we do, we um, sneaked in through the back, jumped over the fence, didn't pay the entry fee, and used that money for sweets on the way home. But we go to Alexander Stadium, you know, use the track, and just be sprinting. It was just something that, like, me and my brothers liked to do, run fast, you know. Back to the academy, Gab. Who was your, I mean, what was the group you were playing with at the time? Who were the players there, and who was your best, best, best mucker at the time? So through the academy, like, um, I think Craig Gardner come a bit later, but... Yeah, it was it, it was the players that were there that didn't make it. The ones that did make it were, were basically Craig Gardner. Me and him were like, couldn't be separated, you know. Um, I'd go to his house in Yardley, um, see his family, you know. I think he got every assist for my goals in the youth team. So I think I broke the record, I think, from Vassal for um, youth team goals in um, a season. I the under-16s or under-18s, one of them. And every goal was Craig Gardner because he was so good at, um, you know, Technically, he always used to find them balls over the top for me. And obviously, my speed, you know, just helped me run through and score goals like galore in the youth team. So, my, my, my main memory would be Craig Gardner because he was the one that was with me through the academy. Mm. He's a blue nose as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think, you know what? I think, like, I, I think the area that he was brought up in, Yard, the ACOS screen, is, I'm sure I'm not like a, a, a scientist on like where Birmingham is, but it's more blues territory, isn't it? I reckon Craig sort of hid from everyone because he's at a Villa Academy. I think if you, if if Jamie Carrick is Everton, isn't he? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Everton fans. So I think it's just something that Craig Gardner hid. And then when he got a chance to go to Birmingham City, I think he just, you know, wanted to do it. Um, like um, Gary, I think um, the whole family are Blues fans here. Yeah. So you're coming through the academy then, Gab. Um, what was the moment you thought you was on the cusp of the first team? O'Leary, your first manager. Yeah, you know what, mate? When I look back, like, even though I was banging in goals in the under eight, it was different back then. You know, you had to be, like, super, super, super special to get anywhere near the first team. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. ahead of me at that time were the, were the Moore brothers, you know, um, in the academy. Like, and it was just like, they were young. Does that makes sense. They were in the first team, but still young. So you sort of thought, Am I going to get it? I've got Vassal, they've got Phillips, Angal, Moore brothers, Carton Cole come for a bit. 
So in the under 18s, I was thinking like I'm doing well, but I'm not really getting a sniff. I'm not even training with them. You know, like sometimes under 18 players who stand out will train with them. And then I got a bit um, into the reserve team. And um, still, I wasn't getting, you know, I was banging in goals, but still not getting in with a sniff, you know, of um, training with the first team or the first team. Then I went out on loan and I hated it. You know, I was homesick like you wouldn't believe. The first was Watford and I went there. I was like, what am I doing here? You know, like, because you, cause you, 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 you've been stuck in a house, not seeing the real world. You know what I mean? All I seen was my house, my brothers and sisters, mum and dad, and then Villa training ground. To go all the way to a hotel where I was staying in Watford on my own. Do you know what I mean? And then going around new people, like, it was a bit too much for me at that time at 18. I remember coming back from Sheffield Wednesday on loan. And um, I just scored on loan for Watford Sheffield Wednesday. About thinking, I hate football. I, like, I do not like football. Like, this is what it's like. I don't like it. And then, as everyone says, you get your luck in football. Sometimes luck is what you need. And that's what happened. You know, I was back in the reserve team playing reserves, and then all the strikers got injured or ill. So O'Leary basically come and knocked on the reserve team manager's door and basically said, who have you got? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we fight for scraps here. Who, who, who have you got? Who's the next best thing, you know? So luckily it was me who was the next best thing that was available. So it wasn't out of choice from O'Leary. If it was out of choice, I would still be in the reserves that season. It was basically no other choice to play me. And back then it was always 4-4-2. You know, it was never four five one, which um, which helped me. So I remember the game. Um, I was quite nervous, but you know, it was a big, big moment for me. My dad was in the crowd. And I just thought to myself, I need to do something to stay around it. The, the players are coming back next week. Some of them, you know, from illness. And um, remember, the game wasn't going very well. Everton were a strong side back then, and um, we were getting battered. To be honest, I just remember Lee Hendry putting me through. I took a shot, and I even look back today. I mean, Richard Wright should have saved it. Mm. You know, it wasn't a very clean um, shot, and it went in. And I think that's the luck you need in football sometimes. Me scoring, a 19-year-old local lad, sort of like made the local media remember my name. Mm. If, I'd, if I'd not scored and Villa had lost 4-0, then I probably would have been back in the reserves and maybe not had the career that I had. Exactly. I think it's just the fact that I scored, my name was out there debut goal for a 19-year-old local lad, Villa fan, you know, so that sort of, like, probably forced O'Leary to keep me around the first team for the rest of the season. So who were the first team players that, that came to you first? I mean, and the coach up to Everton, who, who warmed to you? Who made you, who made you it, was, it was more like Lee Hendry and Gareth Barry, you know, because they'd done it. They'd been through the academy. It was more them, to be honest. Like, Lee Hendry was good. He was just, like, play, play your game, you know, your assets are, and Gareth Barry as well. So it was more them two, to be fair. And... I think sometimes when when you're 19 and you're 18, 19, you're that young, you are nervous. You're around like the first team players that you were cleaning their boots um, a couple months ago. So you're in awe of them. You know what I mean? You 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 like wow, that's so and so, that's so and so. So it was it was an um, unbelievable experience, and and I still put it down to luck of um, you know, strikers being ill. Mm. Who's, whose boots did you clean, Gat? Um, Gavin McCann's. Um, <laughs> he weren't very generous, by the way. But um, I remember he had these tempos, um, night tempos he had, and um, they were quite hard to clean. You know, there were the leather ones, and like you had to like 
Use the hose, the freezing cold mornings in December. Use the hose to hose them down. And then you had to dry them. Then you had to polish them back then. You know what I mean? It was like shoe polish. polish. So you'd have polish all over your fingers before you start training. Then like, I had to go and do the Lucozade bottles, fill them up with like Lucozade cordial, then water. Do you know what I mean? Like Then clean the Lucozade bottles as well. But... When I look back now, like I know you, they can't do it now to the U team players, but it made me who I was. Does that make sense? It's sort yeah. of like you're not just coming to play football, you're coming to work. Do you know what I mean? It was like these are your jobs at work and then you get to play football as enjoyment afterwards. I think that was the the, the way we saw it, you know. What would you have been if you were a footballer gap? Talk about jobs there. Maybe a club rep <laughs> in, in Ibiza and Broad Street, maybe. No, you know what? I, I was clever. I was very clever at primary school. And then I don't know what happened at secondary school. The work got harder. But, like, I stopped being clever. And I sort of, like, I remember I was getting coursework and this and that. And I remember doing my GCSEs and sitting there thinking, like, I haven't got a clue here. I don't even know why I'm sitting this. So, like, my, my grades were, like, awful at GCSE levels, you know, like, because I was just, just so addicted to football, and it's a good job I didn't make it because I don't know what I would have done. I would have probably went to college, maybe done some sort of course, or it would have been hard, you know, to um, to make a career because all I knew was football, which was a maybe a silly risk because I think other players maybe done the same in the youth team and didn't make it, and then... You know, you, 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 it's, it's not a good thing. And that's why academies now are more, you've got to do a course while you're um, in the academy because a lot of players don't make it, do they? And I could have easily been one of them. Yeah, so you come through now, Gab. You signed your first pro contract. Uh, what, 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 what do you treat yourself with, your first pay packet? You know what? I was quite, I was a real chav. I can't lie. I still am a bit, but I was a real chav back then. You know, Erdinson lad, was, yeah. I love speed garage. Like speed garage raves, I used to go to. So, what was popular around my neck of the woods was Lacoste tracksuits yeah. and um, Sergio Tacchini tracksuits, um, one tens. So, I, I remember when we were my best mate, I treated my best mate and me. We went to um, Bullring, there was a Lacoste shop in Bullring, and um, I brought a bright um, blue Lacoste tracksuit, and um, I think a few more. I brought my mate a bright red one. And um, we've got some one tens, you know, it was just basically like my, my first signing on fee. I was just like, I'm going to treat myself, you know, and it was like back then that was the trend, you know, in the in the local area. It was like um, Lacoste tracksuits. Everyone was addicted to them, you know, with the collars, the zipped up collars. And um, yeah, that was what I treat myself to. I had a bit. I had a turquoise one and a TN as well. So I, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll the same. I can't lie. I'll the same. You've gone through the academy in the first team now. You're around the first team set up. How are you feeling now? Training with the locks and you and girls yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was like I, I felt like I was, I was one minute I'm cleaning bowls, next minute I'm training around these players, and you just you just tell straight away the standards up. You know, like people like people don't understand how good the likes of Lee Hendry were, like. He was an unbelievable player. Do you know what I mean? Like underrated, I think. Like and in training, you're like, wow, their first touch, their their finishing. Do you know what I mean? Build up play. Um, do you know what I mean? Like shape they were doing. Like Gareth Barry. Like I was like, whoa, look at Vassal. Vassal's actually a good finisher. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm just watching all this and I'm like, wow, I'm involved with this. And then 
Luckily for me, I think O'Leary left that summer and O'Neill come in and O'Neill was addicted to me. You know, it was like, wow, like, like you're quick, you're in, basically. Do you know what I mean? You want, he was in, uh, like, loved youth and pace. So a lot of players sort of left and it was basically built a team around, like, I think for the first season, Luke Moore on the left, me on the right and Gal in the middle. Do you know what I mean? It was like 4 3 3 and. I didn't enjoy playing right wing, but I done okay there my first season. You know, be, being as a right winger because of the pace, and um, yeah, I just remember like being more comfortable with mine on the coming around it because I, I'd had like six months experience of being a first team um, player. Is he is he the biggest influence on your career, Martin? Yeah, a thousand percent. Because if he, if he didn't come in, I think maybe like O'Leary would have brought in more players, and you know, I probably wouldn't have got the chance that I did. And then when mine come in, like, I think a handful of games I didn't play for the whole time he was there. Mm. You know, like, he just loved me, you know, and I loved, like, giving back to him. It was like a father figure, you know. I remember when I'd go in for, like, um, contract negotiations with him and my agent, he'd say, play the games, score the goals, and the contracts will come. You're not going to get the contract straight away. And I think that's what's missing now in the game, I think, is that, with me, it wasn't like <clears throat> I was getting new contracts every year because I'd earned them. Yeah. There wasn't like massive contracts for five years. It was like little bits of increasing money and appearance fees. And you've got to go and play 40 more games to get a new deal. You've got to go and score a certain amount of goals. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't just giving too much too soon to a player. That makes sense. And that's what Martin was like. He was like, wanted to keep me hungry. And then. Um, it was just like a father figure, really. So I owe it all to him, to be honest. You was getting better and better as well, weren't you? You was quite a skinny, you skinny kid, weren't you? Whip it, rapid. Um, yeah. When you start realising, actually, I'm quite good here. I can, I'm going to make a decent career out of this. I think it was like Martin's first season had gone. It was the one afterwards, I would say, 2007, 2008. I was just basically like, you can ask the, um, the academy director, Brian Jones. When I first come to Villa as a kid, I'm not going to lie, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I could score goals, but that was at Sunday League level, which like most people can score goals. I was basically just quick. I'm not going to lie. No left foot, no heading. Just one of the fastest people in Birmingham for my age. So from my debut season for two years, the more games you play, you're playing against high standard of players in the Premier League. So you're learning from them. Oh, he's just touched the ball there. He's turned like this. He's let through his legs and then ran through on goal. He's touched it do you know what I mean like in training I'd always work on my left foot because I knew that I had to be both footed and I think that helped me through my career because I scored a lot of goals in my left foot you know and um, I just remember like for them first two years in the Premier League just practicing loads and learning game by game getting better game by game from learning from my opponents learning from my teammates in training practicing and then it comes to, I think it might have been the 2008 season, and I thought, I remember thinking, like, I'm getting better. Do you know what I mean? I'm scoring more goals in my left foot, with my head. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting more of a complete player rather than just a young player potential who's just quick and can score the odd goal. Mm. I'm starting to turn to a player who can score with any foot, score long ranges, which I did, score and um, one-on-one, score tapping, score headers. You know what I mean? I tried to, like, I felt like I became an all-round striker, someone who could play on the wing and cut in and score goals. 
So I think it might have been that 2008-2009 season where I started to believe that like I can get a chance of like um, playing for England and, and then becoming a more complete player, which I did. What players did you like look forward to playing against who you'd reach all the time? Anyone that jump out? You know what? Because of my pace, I fancy myself against anyone, to be honest. You know, like, I think like, it's different when you don't have pace. It's sort of like maybe harder. But when you've got pace, you fancy yourself. And I always remember playing against um, Gary Neville. I sort of like, because I liked to, because my idol was Cherry Henry, I always wanted to be in that left hand channel. That makes sense. All my runs would be majority of the time, if you look back, would be in that left hand channel. So I remember always liking to play against Gary Neville and you know um, use that channel. Um, I remember I remember on the McLeish against um, I like playing against Gary Coldwell because he was a great player, but he was so slow. You know, like I always like to pick on the slowest defender. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like. And even like yeah, it's hard. It's hard to like put down certain names, but I always used to do my research and think like, who's the slowest defender on their team? That's the one I'm gonna go on. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like um, some players now pick on the weakest defender, big strikers. I always picked on the slowest defender of like, wow, he's he's not quick. I'm I'm over to him straight away. You know. What what did you do the hundred meters in game? What's your hundred meter time fastest? You know what? I put something on Instagram the other day. We saw bantering. I said ten seconds. I was getting a lot of nibbles. <laughs> because uh, people are no chance you got that no chance but you know what I never timed it which was something I should have done but I never timed it um, which is which is a shame but I don't know I think back then I remember doing a Nike advert with um, Theo Walker and Aaron Lennon and uh, I think it might be 2008 and like there was nothing between us you know so I think we were like the three quickest in the league and yeah I think um, yeah, it's hard to say at time but I reckon definitely under 11, I'd say so, at my, at my quickest of my career, 100%. Did anyone beat you in a race at Villa? Adama Traore, perhaps, or someone? You're racing? But when Adama come, though, I was a bit older, weren't I? So he was yeah. definitely quicker than me at that age. But I reckon in my prime speed, I reckon it would have been a good race between me and Adama. But um, it would have probably been neck and neck. But I remember, like, Carl Walker, when you come to Villa, me and him used to learn to like, we used to do practice games and I'll play left wing, he'd play right back and he'd try and knock it past me and he couldn't get there. I'll try and knock it past him, I couldn't get there. Do you know like we're both at our like quickest maybe and like yeah. um, we were both similar um, um, speed but I just think like when I first come onto the scene maybe, maybe mine on the first season, I don't think there would have been many quicker than me at that um at that time, you know, because I was a lot um, lighter. I didn't feel out yet as a man. I was still a little boy. I think that was my quickest um, year. Mm. Uh, so when did you start bulking up then? Was that your call to do more weights? What, what was what was the thinking beyond that gap? You know what? Um, I remember it like just that. It was the year Martin left, the season Martin left. Um, and I started to, um, at the start of that season, I didn't, um, Darren Bent come in there. Um, so I wasn't playing and formations had changed that year to like one up front so I said to myself if managers looked at me would they look at me as like a lone striker maybe not and if they're only playing one striker so I thought to myself you know what why not get in the gym build your muscle up start lifting weights and like build your body up and what was lucky for me at that time was 
I was still filling out as a man. So every year from 19 to 24, I was still filling out as a man. I was getting taller. I was getting um, larger. I mean, my legs were getting bigger. I was getting more um, bulk. And that was the year where I thought, let me build my body up so I can play more positions. I can play left wing if needed. I can play striker on my own. So I didn't want to like manager to say to me, oh, I can't play you on your own because you're not going to be able to hold the ball up as a physical outlet, you know. You can't win headers. So that was the, that was the main reason. And yeah, people will say um, you lost pace, but I was still quicker than everyone else. So maybe I lost a yard from bulking up a bit, but I managed to probably stay at Villa for longer by bulking up at that time, you know. Formation changed, didn't they, that year? That was when no one played four four two. So it wasn't a big man and a small man. It was basically just a big man. Now, talk a bit about your England career, Gabby. What was it like being called up and being tra- around the squad? It was, it was amazing, to be honest, you know, just to, to even, like, train with such superstars. I mean, back then you had superstars, Beckham, Terry Ferdinand, um, Ashley Cole, Lampard, Gerrard, Rooney. Do you know what I mean? Like, they were superstars to me. Like, and even though I played with some amazing players at Aston Villa, you go into England and you're like, wow, these are superstars. The standard is like unbelievable. Like, like <laughs> no one gives the ball away. And you're just like, wow, this is how like they are at the top. Do you know what I mean? These are how they're the top players in the league and the top part of the league because the standard's so high. I I just remember, like, just enjoying it, you know, and, and like, when I made my, my debut um, against Germany away, I was thinking, like, these are our rivals. Do you know what I mean? I've been brought up to not like Germany. Do you know what I mean? Like, to, 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 to sort of, like, no, we don't like Germany. When we when we, when we we can't beat Germany, we're losing to Germany. Then we beat Germany finally when we, we beat them 5-1, was it? Mm-hmm. I just remember, like, the whole country was like, wow, we beat in Germany, you know? So to play in that game, I remember being told three hours before the game and no one expected me to start. I think like it might have been Carton Cole or Darren Bent. I think they expected to start. And Capello named the team out and I was like, are you joking? Like, are you joking? I'm playing, do you know what I mean? I'm playing against like Germany who we, 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 we don't like sort of thing away as well, you know? And I just remember like just loving it, you know, I enjoyed the debut, you know, it went all, all right. I didn't score, but... um. Just to make your debut, it's like, wow, I play for England. This this is the, like, the, do you know what I mean? The 18-year-old kid who was, like, in playing reserves at Sheffield Wednesday. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And in the space of a few years, I'm starting for England. So, for me, it was an amazing experience. I should have got more caps, definitely. But if you said to me at the start of my career, I'm going to get three caps and play with some of the players I played for England, I would have beat your armour. Mm. Uh, going back to your Villa days, Gabby, you spoke to Martin Larson this week. He said you, you and uh, Ashley Young used to play up terrible. Some of the pranks you, you, you'd do, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be fine quite a lot. Just, just what, what, what did you and Ashley used to do? You know what? I'm not gonna lie. We were little. <laughs> so I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Like, like we were, we were like the, the teachers' pets. Do you know what I mean? You know, you get the teachers' pets who like sort of get away with anything. Well, that was me and Younger. You know, Martin. We were his favourites, so like um, we got away with a lot, but. We'd, we'd just be like, I don't know, just just wind-up merchants, you know. But that was me all through my career, you know. I've always thought to myself, let's have some fun. You know, training doesn't have to be so serious. Yeah, you get your work done, but let's have some fun, you know. We're normal lads. We're not robots, you know. 
Um, any normal lad wants to wind um, their mates up, don't they, and play pranks on them. So I think we just like we'd always wind up Nigeria Poker because he was um, an angry guy. And I remember we used to do every Friday. We used to do like um, old old V Young. So like it was like five aside, five aside. Um, no, the pop sorry, he's eleven aside, but it was old V Young basically. And the winning team got to vote the worst player in the losing team. And if you lost, you had to wear like um, a yellow jersey for the week. It sort of said like loads of like horrible things on it, like your crap, your rubbish, you're a donkey. Mm-hmm. Um, so no one wanted to lose it to, to get that shirt for banter rights, you know. And we wouldn't always choose the worst player. We choose the player who's going to bite the most. Do you know what I mean? It's boring, isn't it, if you're choosing the worst player? So we'd be like, me and Youngie would get together and be like, mm, let's go Nigeria Coca. He's going to bite his. And he'd bite. He'd be like, no, you're joking me. I was never the worst player. Throw his, throw his shirt on the floor, storming. And then, like, the management's like, for God's sake, we've got a game tomorrow. And, like, players were happy because of this. And I remember the worst one was um, we got Thomas Sorensen. We thought he's a biter here. We can tell he's going to bite. And he was fuming. He was like, what are you talking about? How, what do you want about? I made seven saves. Give us these stats. And we're just like, like, relax, mate, relax. And then we've done it to him um, later on in my career. We've done it to him um, in Zogbia. And he lost his temper. Yeah. He threw his shirt on the floor. He's gone, fuck all. Fuck all he is. Like, fuck all he is. And then walked in the changing room and he was fuming. Who voted for me? And we're just laughing, thinking, like, it's so easy to wind people up, you don't realise. So I think that was one of the biggest things. And when I got it, I just laughed because I wasn't a biter. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, like, no one voted for me afterwards because it was like, let's get the biter. And I think one time we um, voted for James Milner, and he was Martin O'Neill's pet, his top pet. And Martin O'Neill went, no, 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 he's not having it. That's crazy. James, no way you can vote for James. And everyone's laughing their head off. Say, Gaffa, he's got the vote. He's like, no, no, this week, no vote. And he wouldn't give him the bib because he loved him that much. He's, he's like he's, his favourite son. And um, yeah, it was hilarious. But me and Young, you just like, just winding people up in general, you know, like, um, yeah. So you get, I think like you need that. For, I think even the players today, I'd be able to do the same, you know, it's um, have fun as well whilst you're doing your work. What are your, what are your funniest stories from Villa? Anything? I mean, you could be making a cup of tea now. Anything jumps to your mind that makes you laugh out loud, kind of thing? You know what? The one of the funniest was it was um, a player called Nicholas Hellenius. He used to come in some rascal clothes. Do you know what I mean? Like some people used to come in some rascal. He used to demand no effort at all. And the one day he had some rascal T-shirt, and then um, we all signed his T-shirt basically. So imagine he's got his T-shirt hung up in his um, locker. We went in there and started signing it with a with a pen, um, a permanent marker. And then Paul Lambert used to love coming in the changing changing room because if you got caught on your phone, it was five hundred pound, even in the changing room. So Paul Lambert used to come through the back door, the side door to go and catch people. He loved it. And the one day he come and he's like, "What's going on here?" And we're like, "Oh, uh, we're just signing his shirt. It's a rascal. He's gone. Let me have a look. Yeah, it's a rascal. One second, let me sign it." So even the gaffer signed it as well. And then, like, Nicholas Eleni has seen it. He was fuming. And, like, he left the training ground. After training, he wasn't happy. But that's just the banter that, like, happens in the changing room. It won't be any different now. 
if you don't lock your stuff away with the code that you're given, you, it's your own risk. So from that day on, trainers were getting stuck, glued down. Do you know what I mean? Like your trainer was getting glued down to the carpet. Carpet was getting ruined. It was it was carnage. Do you know what I mean? Like if you left stuff out, it was like people's cars were getting moved to where you couldn't find your car in the training ground. You know, like it was like a war zone at like all the way through my Aston Villa career. And I think um, one of the funniest stories was um, Shay Given and Fabian Delph. So Shay used to always. Um, Shay was like king of banter as well. He's got a big mouth as well. He's chirpy. And he's always like winding up Delphi and like winding up people. And then one day, Delphi got all um, Shay's pills and threw, ticked them all on the floor. And Shay used to take a pill for everything a pill for his back, a pill for his car, a pill for his toes, a pill for his hair. He had like 100 different sets of pills. So Shay was fuming. But what Shay done that was clever was. He waited till our last game of the season and we had an away game. So everyone sort of left their cars. You know, some players didn't come back and get their cars because it was the last game of the season for three, four days. You know, once the season finished, because they might have stayed um, in the city that we were staying in. So what Shay done is he got a piece of fish, fresh fish, and pull it in Delphi's um, car. And don't get... Don't, and don't be fooled, it was like a hot summer's day, the last game of the season. So imagine a raw fish in your car for four days, and, and, and Delphi had a brand new Range Rover. So um, three, four days there, the season's finished. And Delphi must have went and got his car. He was like, what's this smell? I can smell, I can smell fish, I can. And then um, Shay's laughing in the group. He's like crying his eyes out, like... <laughs> laughing and and Fabian's fuming he's like where's your house I'm coming to your house send me your address I'm gonna kill you do you know like because it's a new car and you know like what you can imagine what a fish smell in the sun's gonna smell like for like a while and I think Dalphy couldn't get the smell out for weeks so I think that was one of the funniest story I don't think Dalphy's got him back yet so I think it's something you'll probably try and get him back when you get his hands on him but that for me was like the ultimate you know like players went too far sometimes and I think that was the ultimate of like there's no boundaries really with players. I think mm. what 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 would have been next is maybe like someone's windows being put through, but players are like you know like it's something that players love to do at training. You know like before training and then after training, it's like a war zone. What was all the fines like? You mentioned Lambert's five hundred pound one there. What was some was, of the, the Maddie's fines? That was something that like I just didn't understand. You know like. Your change room is meant to be your space. Does that make sense? You know, like, before training, you might be on your phone. After training, you want to come in and maybe see if any of your family have message. You know, there might be emergencies or anything. And I think that was a bit of a power trip from Lambert. And I, I did like Lambert, but I wasn't too keen on that because I don't think any other club would say you can't use your phone in your change room. Fair enough, you can't use it in the gym. You can't use it in the canteen. You can't use it in reception. But... Your change room should be your space, shouldn't it? So for him to do that, it was like, you've got to use your phone in your car, then you've got to come into training, you've got to rush out to your car for training because you want to see if anyone's phones their family members. And I remember Jordan Bowery, it was his first week, and he'd come, obviously, not on great money because he'd come from um, League 2, do you know what I mean? So he would have been probably one of the lowest paid. And um, <laughs> Lambert walked in through the through the back door of the, the dressing room, which is by the showers. 
and he caught him straight away. He was like, Jordan 500. And Jordan was like, oh my God, for sake. I've not even been paid yet and I've been done 500. And like, you have players in the toilets, hiding the toilet cubicles, the showers to use their phones. I was one of them. And then Lambert would love it. He'd come in so much. There was three entrances to the changing rooms. He'd come in catch people and other players would throw their phone under the towel honestly it was hilarious but when you got fined for that you weren't happy you know 500's a lot to like being on your phone that was one of the biggest ones that I found because any other fines were right you know like getting sent off or missing a game through suspension or using your phone in the um, the physio room or the gym they're fair enough you know but um, yeah Lambert they were crazy fines. I think it was a bit of a power trip from him. Some of the funniest managers, what was, what was Tim like? And I really liked Tim Sherwood, you know. Um, when he come in, he was like, he had that sort of like London, you know, the Londoners, they've got that like swagger, you know, like the way he speaks. He's and having, a, having won the Premier League with Blackburn and, you know, like he just had that, he knew what he had to do to keep us up and he'd done it. He, um, he got me on side. You remember him saying to me like, you, Ben, Tech, and Wyman are going to keep us up. And he said it just before the West Brom game when we beat West Brom and I scored at Villa Park. And he just knew what to, to how to get the players going. You know, he, um, training was lively. He changed training to make it more fun, but more hard work. And um, it was just funny as well because he had that, I don't know, he had that London swagger by him, like, you know, like his feet up on the chair in the canteen, you know, like he had that swagger of like one of the chaps, like, so I really like Sherwood and um, I still think to this day, if he, if he kept this job and not got sacked and we brought in um, Nugget, Remy Garde, I think we would have stayed up, you know, he, he had all the players on side and um, he was a good manager and it's a shame he, um, he, he's not working at the moment, but he was tough when he had to be, but he had the banter with it as well. Do you know what I mean? He tells stories about when he played and different things. So he was one of the, the funniest ones. Lambert was funny as well because you could tell that he had not copied but used Martin O'Neill. You know, the, the rugby top and the glasses and the, the track suit for games. You know, he was Martin O'Neill, like watching Martin O'Neill, you know. And uh, just some of his stories, Lambert and like, I don't know, just the way he used to like hammer players but in a funny way. You know, like, I don't know, if a player was, like, having a bad day, he'd be like, oh, I, don't, um, I think I brought the wrong player. You know, it's like, like, but, like, funny banter. And I think he, he was quite funny, Lambert. And even some of his sayings he used to say, um, like, you can't kid a kidder. You can't, you know what I mean? Like, he just, he just had funny sayings of, like, you know, like, of putting things. Martin O'Neill as well. You know, I think, like, he was funny in his way because he'd sort of be ruthless, Martin. Like, I've not met a manager ruthless as him. If you had a bad game, he's telling you, he's telling you you're useless. You don't deserve to be here. Like, Martin was ruthless like that. But other times, he was funny as well, where if you're winning, you could do whatever you like. If you want to, like, do kick-ups across the pitch in training, he wouldn't give a damn. As long as you win on a Saturday... Does that make sense? Because that's the most important thing, isn't it? I think a lot of managers get confused of like, I want you to be the best player in training. But then some players will be the best player in training and then on a Saturday they're useless and they're, they're, they can't do it on the big stage. Mm. Don't get me wrong, the perfection is to be the best in training and the best in game. 
but you're not going to always get that. Do you know what I mean? Our players. So Martin was like, yeah, training's got to be good. But training wasn't a great, great standard. I mean, Martin Larson, Olaf Melbourne played up front in training and celebrated goals singing in like in their language that they spoke and like back then at them, at them signing training was just like okay this is fun never used to do set pieces do you know what I mean it was basically Martin on the Martin Larson stand here in the centre and you come head everything that was our set piece tour do you know what I mean it was more like go out there and do it on a Saturday and um, that's all Martin wanted you used to get some big wins in village you go town celebrating all the lads where's, where's the hot spots you used to go to well, what, 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 you know, you know, in them times, we, we, we won a lot, didn't we? You know, like under the Martin O'Neill era. And being a 19-year-old boy, a 20-year-old boy, 21-year-old boy, so well-known, you know, like like in Birmingham. You know what I mean? Like Villa are the main team. You're one of the main players. You're from the area. Everyone wants to be your friend. Girls galore. You know, you know just that like whole footballer like lifestyle. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Once the game had finished and I'd seen my family, I was out, mate. I'm not going to lie. I was out. Do you know what I mean? Like, where's where's the club at? I'm not going to lie and say, like, oh, I stayed in because that's a lie. But a lot of the other players sort of like, some were family men. For me, mate, I was um, so bar bamboo, meet you. Do you know what I mean? Give me a season ticket. I'm there. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, <laughs> I'll be there. Do you know what I mean? Like, like as long as we win. and No, as long as we win or draw, basically, I'm there i say it all the time not everyone is like a james milner harry kane who eat the right food and drink the right amount of water per day and get the right amount of rest i'm not gonna lie i wasn't that boy i was a 19 20 year old 21 one lad from Irvington who was out enjoying life enjoying being a footballer doing my hard work playing well on a saturday then out and like enjoying the nightlife that most young lads out there do even the footballers are not footballers. Just because you're a footballer mean, doesn't mean you're not going to want to go out and enjoy yourself. So for me, it was, um, I'm out. So bar bamboo was every week. Bushwhackers. I mean, I was whacking the bush with everyone else. Do you know what I mean? Until 6am. But back then, you could do that. Like, you could go out on a Saturday, be hungover on a Sunday, on your day off, train on a Monday as a 19, 20-year-old, and you feel normal. If you ask any 19, 20-year-old out there now who who's not even a footballer who, who parties hard on a Saturday. By Monday, you're fine. It's only when you get to 30 where you need three days to get over your hangover. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. And, like, back then, like, if I look back now, no regrets. You know, I enjoyed life. I trained hard. I played hard. I had a good career. And, um, obviously, I made mistakes. I'm not going to lie. I made a lot of mistakes. But at that early time, when I was doing it on the pitch, no one was bothered about what I was doing off the pitch because everyone knew around Birmingham I was a party boy. It's something you can't hide, you know, but because I was doing it on the pitch, it was something that um, no one cared about, did they? Exactly, mate. So you mentioned mistakes there. What, what mistakes are you alluding to there? I mean, what, what, do you, what, what, what do you look back at? A lot of people don't really know the truth around the time where I did put weight on, you know. Around that time, under um, the season we went down, I was going through a lot of, like... Um, Things off the pitch. I mean, I was in the papers on the on the front page of the Sun three days in a row, and like people don't realise that. And you're a footballer, yes, but you're still a normal person. So for me, it was like you know coming home and like oh, I'm on the paper again. You know, you get into that depressed feeling. Um, you're playing football and the team's not doing well. Do you know what I mean? You're losing. Then you've got stuff about your personal life about. 
um, woman maybe in your life and then it's coming out in the paper and you're like, oh my God, like this is half bullying from the sun. Do you know what I mean? So that was a part of that that season with me putting the weight on and like me not playing to my potential. It was because of off the field stuff. Do you know what I mean? And mm. don't get me wrong, when I went to Dubai, should I went to Dubai when we're in a relegation battle? No way. Do you know what I mean? I'll regret that for the rest of my life of like going to Dubai and smoking shisha. And I think at that time, like I said, I had a lot of things going on in my personal life. When you go through that stuff, it's it's never nice. And I think when I had the party um, with the balloons, you know, in the in um, in London after we got relegated, do you know what I mean? I, I think I regret that for the rest of my life as well. Do you know what I mean, like that was a big mistake for me, but. When you're depressed and you're um, going through things off the field, you know what I mean? Everyone deals with it differently. Do you know what I mean? Like, should I have had a party? No way I shouldn't have. But maybe at that time for me, it was like, as bad as it sounds, it was like maybe alcohol that made me, like, do you know what I mean? Like, get over things that are going on in my personal life. So I think that whole season from, um, from when, yeah, from when Sherwood left, that was what I, was, I remember Cher was saying to me, like, are you okay? Like, this has come out in the paper today. He'd been told, he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm struggling a bit, you know, the the the, the son are sort of targeting me. Do you know what I mean? With, like, my personal life and my um, my girlfriend at the time and my um, kid's mum. So it was sort of that, fit, that sort of stuff sort of brought on the sort of, like, putting on weight and not looking after yourself and, and then the the things that I done with the shisha and the balloons, you know. So I'm not making excuses, but to Villa fans out there, it was more things that were going on off the field. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like that um, made me do them things. Yeah, we're not all robots, are we, Gav? You know what I mean? When people do, when the dust settled, and like maybe now when people look back, they'll think like, yeah, he was wrong, but he's a normal guy. He's not a robot. He's not. Um, I don't know, a goody two-shoes. He's, he's never been that guy. Maybe if, if social media was around when I was 19, 20, do you know what I mean? I would have been in a lot more trouble. Do you know what I mean? It was only social media that, that come on later in my career. If social media was around when I was 20, 21, 22, do you know what I mean? Like me coming out of clubs in the West End, in out of bushwhackers. And, do you know what I mean? Like it would have been a, probably a lot, a lot more from that age, if yeah. that makes sense. But, not all players aren't robots. I'm not the last player or the, the, the first player to make mistakes. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes fans can connect to players as well when they know that, like, you know what? He's a normal lad from Stockton Green Erdington who's made a career in football, but he's still that Jack the lad who will do silly things and has done silly things all his life. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's one of them things that, Maybe people will see he's, he is just a normal lad. He's not uh, a lad who's been put through private school and been a goody two-shoes. No, he's a normal lad from Erdington who's um, just been jacked a lad and been out with his mates and done things maybe that he shouldn't do, have done. You retired really early, didn't you, Gabby? Um, any regrets about retiring at that age, 31? Not at all. You know, um, I, I said this to my next door neighbour yesterday. I was speaking to him, like, um, 10 metres apart, as you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I said to him, like, that this is the truth. Like, at that time, I remember on, when Bruce gave me um, a chance, I got fit and um, I scored in the derby, didn't I? And in that pre-season, um, after that, 
I was like in amazing shape, you know, Steve Bruce was buzzing. Um, I'd been doing an early pre-season in Portugal with a few players. Then the pre-season, I was flying. Like I was breaking records of runs that I hadn't done for six, seven years. But even then, I knew in myself, my legs aren't the same. My pace isn't the same. My legs are sore after like training. You know, you just know that like the miles are clocked up on you. The season started, I scored in like against Hull. But even that game, I still didn't feel like the player I used to be. Does that make sense? I scored, yeah. but I didn't. I remember sprinting for the goal and like that I scored. I sprinted for it, but afterwards I couldn't sprint for another five, ten minutes. I felt fit, but I didn't feel fit. Um, my legs just didn't feel the same. After a game, I was like, I can't walk for two days. My body sort of just saying to me, like, like this is enough. Maybe all the mileage from playing from a kid through the youth team, through an early age, the, the numerous of sprints I've done over my career. I don't know what it was, but... And in that season, I started to pick up injuries as well. So I was injured all the time. Calf, hamstring, calf, hamstring. Villa shouldn't have given me a new deal. I didn't deserve a new deal. Do you know what I mean? Like, as much as, like, me and the club were close, you can't give me a new deal when I've not played enough games that season. I'm not the player I used to be. At the end of that season, I sat down my age and I thought, I don't know if I want to carry on because, for one, my body's telling me to stop. Two... Why would I want to put on another shirt? Do you know what I mean? Like, I had a chance to leave under Di Matteo. They're trying to force me out to Reading and Rangers. I said, no chance. I said, like, I'll be here longer than you, Di Matteo. I'm not going nowhere. That was the exact words in the office with the owner and Di Matteo. I was like, you're not pushing me out. I don't want to put on another shirt. It's not an option. At that time, I was like, I got the club relegated as well. I want to make it right. And then, longer it went, obviously, the offers are going to go worse and worse because... The longer you don't play football for, the worse it is. Does that make sense? If, if it comes to like August, September, October, November, January, do you know what I mean? Like you can't not play for that long and then expect anything to be good. So even like the, the time from when I left Villa to when I actually retired, I knew myself I wasn't going to play again. But the only reason why I made it public was because I started to get silly offers. People were giving my number out. I was getting offers from Wrexham, from Solihull Moors. I was, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So like, I was just like, okay, I've got to make this public now. That was the only reason I made it public in the March because I thought just to like, sort of like, make everyone know I'm retired. I'm not playing again. There were offers from Aberdeen and no offense to these clubs, but like, I'm not going to play for Aberdeen. So I mean, I played at the highest level for Aston Villa. I'm not ending at Aberdeen, and, and some players are different. Like some players will play. They'll go to Forest Green until their legs don't work no more, until they're 38, 39. I think everyone's different, aren't they? For me, it was like I wanted to go out on a sort of high of like, I'm a one-club man, I'm not going down the leads, do you know what I mean? And my body sort of told me it was time. And yeah, it's early, 31, don't get me wrong, when I play my last game. But everyone's different, you know, Gareth Barry's still playing at 38, 39. Me, I relied on my speed, so I'm not going to never play that long. Do you know what I mean? It comes to a stage where I'm getting put through on goal and a slow defender's outpacing me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to come to that stage where people are going to look back at videos and like, oh, that was what I remember of him. The guy who, who like, was getting paced by so-and-so. Like, I didn't want it to come to that stage, so it was something that like I don't regret. And um, yeah, I still stand by my decision.
Mm. What do you miss most about it? You know what? I think in football, you, you, you're going to miss the good times. You're not going to miss the bad times. You're not going to miss the bad times in football. I miss the good times of like playing in teams that were challenging for things. The minor New Year's, they are the times that I miss of like having a great team and like going into every game thinking, like I'm going to score before you with the players, arguing, like I'm going to score before you. Playing in a team that was like, we can go to um, Anfield and win. We can go to Stamford Bridge and win. We can go to Old Trafford and win. They're scared of us. They're looking at videos of us. Do you know mm. what I mean? Not like we're scared of them. But they're the times I miss. Yeah, I miss the banter. I miss the everyday, the schedule. Do you know what I mean? You've got a schedule in football of like, you're up. You've got to be here at nine. You've got to be here to travel. That's what I do miss. And that's what every player will miss. But mm. the main thing I miss is like playing in that great team that we had under Martin O'Neill before everyone got sold. Yeah. Uh, do you still watch the Villa? You, you go down now and again? Yeah, yeah, I go down a lot. The last game I went to was um, Watford at home this season and it was incredible like, to, to, to watch as a fan. Villa fans over the years have like, I don't know, sometimes when when Villa have gone 1-0 down, it's like, you feel the atmosphere drop. That game against Watford, I was like, this is the Villa that I like, the Villa that I love, the Villa that Villa players need. The, the fans got them that win, not the players. The fans got him like, full house. It was like, we went 1-0 down. They stayed with the players. They cheered the players on to get the two goals. It was like, that was what the players needed. And that's what they give them. That's why even now when people ask me about the rest of the season behind closed doors, I don't want that. I want Villa to play. If it's five home games they've got, with 42,000 fans with the same atmosphere as Watford, so, like, I definitely go down quite as much as I can. But as well, I don't want to be, like... People tell me silly, but I don't want to be the player that, like... Ex-player that, oh, we can't get rid of him. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to be, like, like oh, he's here again. So, when I do go, I don't go into the executive. You know where the owners sit and the likes of Ian Taylor and Brian Little sit? I don't go into there. I want to be, like, sort of away from all that. I don't want to be, like, seen. Do you know what I mean? I try and, like, sneak in. And like, I don't want to be like, oh, we can't get rid of him. That's why I don't go to the training ground. I don't want to be like one of them ex-players of like, the manager's like, oh my God, he's back again. When you've had your era, you've had your era. Obviously, in the future, one day, my goal will be definitely to be a coach at Villa, for sure. But until that day comes, I'm sort of keeping my distance and letting the new era of them Villa players and them come through. You've done your coaching, haven't you? Over in Ireland, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm halfway through it, um, to be honest. I was um, meant to be going in June, but it's got rescheduled to do the um, the next half. But yeah, I'm halfway through it. And um, I'm enjoying it, to be honest. I'm, I'm doing bits at home um, on my laptop of like sessions and stuff. You know, it's something that I want to do because I enjoy the punditry um, to a certain extent, but football's my main passion. So even like the other day, um, I had a DM off um, a fan and his son was doing a drill that I did with my son here. It was just something that Kevin McDonald used to do with us. It's not an enjoyable one, but it's a good little drill you can do in your garden. Do you know what I mean? You don't need a lot of space to do it. Um, it's a little drill you can do with like your kid. But football's my passion. If I can coach one day and make a player improve and make a player get a career, that will give me joy. Do you know what I mean? It's not about money. It's not about anything like that. It's about loving football and giving you something back. If I can help a striker make a channel run and cut in, chop, do you know what I mean? And then um, use his left foot and 
um, show him how to finish with his right foot, different finishes or different sort of runs. And that if I can make a player a better player for doing that, that's something that I want to do in the future. That's mm. why I want to get educated first, get my badges before I start. And then I will start somewhere if that's, I don't really, I don't mind where it is. Do you know what I mean? If that's a, a team in Sutton, do you know what I mean? It's, it is, that's what it will be. Do you know what I mean? If that's where I start and I can help young players um, improve because I think that's what clubs need to do more. I mean, like you see Chelsea, Chelsea, you've got ex-players in the clubs and what better for a 12-year-old or a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 13-year-old to be taught by someone who's played at a high level. Do you know what I mean? They're gonna, I think they're going to listen more, aren't they? They're mm. going to be like, all right, I'm going to listen to him. He made it. I want to make it. I'll listen to him more. You still playing five side or anything? You know what? We we play um we play. There's um a group of players that um through stands stands friends of a friends and um we play at um in Solly Hall. We play six aside. There's like a, a an Astro pitch. I can't say where it is because no, the news no. fans are coming to me. So I can't tell you where it is. But it's in Solly Hall and like we play every Monday Friday. Um, 6 p.m. and 6 30 on a Monday, 6 on a Friday. And honestly, me and Stan are on opposite teams and we're kicking each other, we're booting each other. Stan is so fit for a 40 year old, and like just something that, like, when you love football, you enjoy. Do you know what I mean? Like, six aside with the lads, there's no, no one there who's gonna like annoy us, or we can just play it as a fun. You know, the standard's high as well, like. There's a WhatsApp group for it, so when you lose, you're you're getting hammered in the group. You know, it's just something you you you. I think most players who love football when they do retire will start playing. Do you know what I mean? I think when Jack retires, I'm sure Jack will be down there playing with me. Do you know what I mean? Like we try renegotiation to try and get Hutton down. Do you know what I mean? Like I think it's just something that you can't beat for fitness either. I mean, I do road runs, I do what bikes, I do treadmills, but football is the best. You know. So we can get um, Monday, Friday games like we, that we play a lot. You know, it's good for fitness as well. You know, keep some pounds off. Yeah, so Stan still got it, is it? Yeah, he still got it. Yeah, but um, he still needs to close his legs a bit more because I do get a lot of megs on him. But like, honestly, like the quality he's got, like I still, I still think to myself now, like what Di Matteo done by not giving him a contract was criminal. Stan done all preseason. He'd done so much to get back into shape after his um, horrible illness. And I think any manager with any sort of heart pays you play. Stan wouldn't have been bothered about the, the, the money that he would have been playing. Do you know what I mean? He loved Villa. Give him a pay-as-you-play deal or something and, and let him play. Do you know what I mean? He still had a couple of seasons left in him. And I think any other manager with a heart would have done that. That's why like, I'll always dislike Dean Matteo anyway. But for that, reason i'd always dislike him because stan wasn't finished yet do you know what i mean mm-hmm. he, had to, he, had, he had two more years left in him and even when i play with him now you look at his quality like wow he could have definitely played two more years holding mid spraying balls about and starting off attacks do you know what i mean so it's um, just a shame that he didn't get that chance to do it yeah he turned down from the villa three times he said for jobs coaching and stuff like that but it's a shame really he's got a lot to give hasn't he this is what frustrates me about about um, the, the the Aston Villa and stuff like is like at the hierarchy is that so for me for instance I'm still learning to be a coach so I've I've not tried to to gain to Aston Villa but someone of Stan's importance to Aston Villa some of 
Stan's experiences in the game. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've never met a more hard-working person since recovered from illness. He has done every single possible course you could think of. If that's to be a coach, if that's to be a chief exec, if that's to be... Do you know what I mean? All he's been doing is doing his UA for this, UA for that, all his like things. And a club like Aston Villa, like they're turning down him for coaching roles. It's For me, it's criminal, to be honest. Like If that was Chelsea, do you know what I mean? <laughs> they make a role for you. Mm-hmm. At, like, clubs like Chelsea, at clubs like Man City, Man United. Look at Man United. You've got Nicky Butt there. You've got Chelsea, Joe Cole's in there. Ashley Cole's in there. That's the problem with Aston Villa that I think. They don't give enough back to ex-players. Imagine Stylian Petrov being given like the under-18s, under-18s job. It's a no-brainer. The under-18 manager has left to go to Solihull Moors. Stands apply for the job. Like if, if I was anyone at Aston Villa, who else would you want to bring our next set of superstars through from the under-18s? Stands quality. Do you know what I mean? He's done the hard work of getting his badges. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand, like, who's in charge of it. Is it the academy director who's who makes the decisions? Can someone who, I don't know, someone higher above in the, the like, our chief exec, our owners, can they, do you know what I mean? Can they say, like, you know, like, we can overrule the academy director? Because if you ask any Villa fan out there now, who would they want to be? coaching Villas under-18s or Villas under-23s. You'd want Petrov in there, wouldn't you? So, I just don't understand it. And, like, before you know it, Stan's going to end up with a job somewhere else. The Villa have missed out. So, I just mm. don't get it, to be honest. But what could I do? It's um, it's down to the, the club, isn't it? Yeah, well, then, Gab, we're going to end with the, the Gabby and Bandit Hall quiz here. So, you've got five oh, questions, God. mate. I'm so, not good at quizzes, mate. First one is quite an easy one for you, I reckon. How old are you when you made your Villa debut? <laughs> I can't get any of these wrong, can I? Jesus. Um, 19. Correct. There's one. One in the bag. So who's your first goal at Villa Park against? Charlton. Easy. Two out two of two. How many times are you booked? You know what? I used to get a lot of books for like kicking people off the ball because I enjoyed fouling people. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I enjoy kicking people. Um, I'm guessing like 40, 40? 49. Good guess. These are that many yellows. What do I know? I know. Putting people in the board, don't you? The last time we played for Villa, who were the opponents? Sheffield United. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Uh, you should get this one as well. How many Premier League goals have you scored for Villa? Jesus. I'm not going to live this down. I might ever get this wrong. Um, Premier League, is it 76? 74, I've got it, yeah. Yeah, 74. Yeah. I've added to one that might not have been given. <laughs> Do you reckon that'll be it? Have 100%. Like, all records are beaten, aren't they, one day? But the only thing that scares me about why I don't think it'll get beaten for a long time is that Villa sell. Villa are a selling club. Do you know what I mean? I stay because I love the club, but Villa are a selling club. They have been since I started. Um, if someone comes in, a striker comes in and scores... 10, 11 Premier League goals. It's going to take him seven seasons. Are Villa going to uh, be able to hold on to someone who's banging in that sort of goals? That's the only thing that like scares me about Villa. Do you know what I mean? If if you said like Man United, for instance, I'd say, of course, it's going to get beaten. Do you know what I mean? Because they're one of the top clubs. But Villa, for someone to get towards them numbers, would have probably been sold. Unless 
the new owners are going to change what's been happening in the past and keep our best players, then 100% it will get, it will get beaten. Uh, do you reckon Jack will stay? Just a quick, quick one. I actually think he will. I know um, people are 50-50, but I think he will because the club's built around him. You know what I mean? Villa will stay up, I'm confident, and then the club will be built around him again. He's captain. You know what I mean? He's posted pictures of him in the Villa, in the Villa Academy from like the start of the Academy, five, six. Do you know what I mean? It's similar to like my situation of like, yeah, I, I had chances to leave, but when the club means so much to you, do you know what I mean? The grass isn't always greener, is it? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so I think he will stay, but I can't speak for him. You know, it's going to be his decision. It's going to be um, down to him. But if I was an owner of Aston Villa at the moment, I'll just turn my phone off. If, if a player that is so crucial to your team would add Jackies to Aston Villa to get results, I'm not selling him. Because selling a player of Jack's caliber is going to cost you more money in the long run, even the transfer fee you get from not staying in the league. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for me, I'm turning my phone off in the summer if I'm the Villa owners. And then when this when the transfer window's over, I'll turn my phone on. So mm-hmm. he, he can't leave. That'll be my my option on it. Thanks for your time today. All sorted, Gab. Yeah, I really no appreciate problem, that. Mate. Covered, yeah. covered everything there, so I had a, I had a good hour with you. So. No, thanks so, for that, though. No worries, no mate. Problem, mate. Take care of Talk yourself, mate. yeah? Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.